1 Timothy. Praise the Lord. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to begin with verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. We're taking a little uh, side journey here from our uh, study on righteousness. Of course, it all connects, uh, but we are looking uh, today at being restored to friendship and favor with God. Praise the Lord. So in this particular passage, we're going to begin with verse 3. It says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. Hallelujah. Speak the truth in Christ. I'm adding that. <laughs> and speak the truth in Christ and lie not. And a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. So Paul was ordained a preacher apostle to speak the truth about the gospel and or the truth of the gospel. So I'm going back to verse 3 now. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. It is good and it acceptable in the sight of God who will have all men. Everybody say all men. It is God's will that all be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. But all should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So God's will is for everybody to be saved. The expression of God's will is in the person of Jesus. In other words, the proof of God's will is in the person of Jesus. For God so loved, John 3.16, for God so loved the what? World that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave his son. So God's love for the world was expressed in the person of his son. God's love for the world, meaning God's love for every human being, past, present, and future, all humanity. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, anyone, who would believe on him would not perish. Well, God's will is in the first part, isn't it? He loved the world so that whoever would believe on him, he gave his son Jesus. God proved his love, Romans 5, 8, God proved his love toward us, or he commended his love, the King James says, he proved his love, another translation, he proved his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the proof of God's love toward us and the proof of God's will for us is in the person of Jesus. 
Jesus is the proof of God's love and will for us. And he's not willing that any would be lost or any would perish. It's his will that all would be saved. But the latter part is our response to God's love. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So that's our response or our receptivity or our receiving God's love toward us. But God has done something so amazing in the person of Christ that it is the guarantee or it is the proof that God loves you and he loves the whole world. It's his will that all would be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. And Jesus declared himself to be in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the what, truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. So the access to the Father or entrance to the Father or way to the Father is Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. The truth, basically, Jesus said, I am the truth. Hallelujah. So he is the truth and he is the way and he's not just one way. He is actually the only way. He is not just a truth. He is the truth. And so the truth is in the person of Jesus. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you continue my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, freedom initially comes from knowing the truth about Jesus or the gospel. The truth about Jesus or the gospel. So there's power in the gospel. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Well, then he said in the last part, last part of that verse, John 14, I am the life, the way, the truth, and the life. So the life comes to you when you believe the truth, amen, that showed you the way to get to God. When you believe the truth, you receive the life. Isn't that right? You believe the truth of the gospel. You believed on the Son of God. He that believeth on the Son, John 3 and verse 36, hath everlasting life. So then believing on the Son or believing on Jesus, he's the truth. He's the way. You believed on him and you got to the Father and received eternal life. Thank God for the truth. Somebody say thank God for life. In Christ. All right, so we go to the next verse. For there is one God. Doesn't say there's five of them. Doesn't say there's ten of them. Doesn't say there's a hundred of them. You go to India and there's they celebrate. When I was there, they were celebrating all kinds of different gods in a parade on the street. All different kinds of gods. Many, many gods. But there's one God, one God, and one God and one Father, one God and one Father. 
the scripture says. But we'll go back to this verse. For there is one God and what? One mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So there's one God and there's one way to God. It says there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So there's one mediator or uh, other translations say uh, go-between. Berkeley says one go-between of God and men, one that goes between the two, between God and men, and God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So the reality is God never left his post. God never left his place. God never left being who he was. God never has changed. God has always been the same. He has always been God. And he's always going to be God, and he remains the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, it says of Jesus Christ. And uh, in Hebrews, it says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God said, I am the Lord, I change not. So God changes not. He does not change. His word remains the same. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. So the word of God remains the same. God remains the same. And God being the same, he's forever the same. One God and one mediator between God and men. So man is the one that changed. Adam sinned. Adam disobeyed God. Adam strayed from God. Adam went away from God. And Adam... Hallelujah. Thank God there was another Adam. There was the first Adam and then the last Adam. His name is Jesus. Praise God. He is the, he is the second. He is the one that comes. He's the last one that would turn the whole tide. He would turn the whole thing. He would redeem us back to God. He was that mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The mediator, meaning that he is the go-between or he is the one that draws man back to God. Beck says, one who brings God and men together. So if God didn't go anywhere, the man is the one that needs to be reconciled to God. And God didn't go anywhere. In other words, he didn't change. He didn't alter who he was, and he didn't alter his character. He didn't change in any way. He simply reconciled us back to himself. So in order to do that, he needed a mediator. There was one, one God and one mediator between God and men. He needed somebody that could qualify as a human being, and he needed someone that could connect with him, and we were all disconnected. Someone who can lay a hand on God and lay a hand on humanity and bring humanity back to God. And Jesus was the only one that could qualify. He became man. He became a man. He got in a body. He lived as a man. He was God manifest in the flesh, and yet he was man. Because it said, the man, Christ Jesus. So Jesus was fully man, and he was fully God. 
1 Timothy 3.16 says God was manifest in the flesh. So he was fully God and he was fully man. And he identified with humanity. He identified with man. And he walked as a man, lived as a man, and lived a sinless life. But then he went to the cross and he identified further with humanity by being made sin, which we've been looking at in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he, God, hath made him to be sin for us. So God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God fully identified with humanity by Letting Jesus become sin for you and for me, he became fully man. Then he became fully your sin. He became sin for us. So then he's taking our place as our substitute, he is then our mediator between God and man. He is the one, we, we could say, the peacemaker. He's the one that made peace with God for us. Which, we'll go back to Romans 5. Therefore, being justified by what? Faith. We have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it was through Jesus God made peace. Hallelujah. And so we have peace with God. We've been justified by faith because of this mediator, Jesus. It wasn't just forgiveness of sin. It was remission of sin, cancellation of penalty, and removal of guilt. So we have been redeemed from our old life and our sin and our past and what we were. And we've been brought back to a reconciled, restored relationship and favor with God. Wonderful Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God is good. So then let's go to the next verse. Who gave himself a ransom for all. Who gave himself a ransom for all. Amplified says, who gave himself a ransom, a substitutionary sacrifice to atone for all. Gave himself a ransom, a substitutionary sacrifice to atone for all. So Jesus was that substitutionary sacrifice. He was the one that substituted for you. So he identified with you by just becoming a man. He identified with you when he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So he lived a real life and was tempted like you are. And what is amazing, it says, in all points like as we are. So if you ever feel like nobody understands, there is one. There are many others that understand because they've experienced similar things. Somebody, there is no temptation but such as is common to man. Somebody somewhere has experienced something similar to what you are going through. But I'll tell you, Jesus, he absolutely identifies with you and he knows what you're going through. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. 
So he knows. Woo! But not only does he know, he went through it. And then he was made sin for you, so he absolutely went through it. He not only experienced the sin, but he also experienced the pain and the suffering and the consequences of all of humanity's sin. So therefore, he can know how you feel. And he can know what you're dealing with. He can know. He can can identify with you. Praise God forever. All right, so he gave himself a ransom for how many? For all. So every human being, Jesus gave himself as a ransom, a payment. He paid the penalty. The wages of our sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the wages or the penalty for our sin was death. So we would have to die eternally. Not only spiritual death, but die eternally. But Jesus paid our debt. He gave himself a ransom for all. Now go with me to Romans. But then it says to be testified in due time. In other words, we got to tell it. Preach it, as the Apostle Paul said the next verse. So we're going to Romans chapter 5. Here in Romans chapter 5, we're going to begin with verse 6. Verse 6, and when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were yet without strength, we were at a hopeless point. We were without any strength, but in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, that's all us, right? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So then he said, he did this in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. For a righteous man will one die. For a good man, some would even dare to die. Thank God. God went further than your your righteousness because you were unrighteous. He went further than goodness because there were none good but God. So he needed to go further than just dying for righteous people or dying for good people. He needed to die for unrighteous people. He needed to die for sinners. So Jesus' death... Is described, he says in verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God commends his Hallelujah. God commends his love. 
He proved his love toward us. The proof of God's love is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, there, ha, 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 ha. Glory to God. He didn't wait for you to get things right and wait for you to have all of your ducks in a row and have things aligned uh, to be able to call yourself good or, or, or do enough right things to be able to say, well, I'm right now. No, no, you couldn't get there. You couldn't get to that point. No one could by their own efforts and goodness. So there needs to be a, a redemptive work that is beyond man's goodness and beyond man's righteousness. So while we were yet sinners and still sinners, Christ died for us, and that is a proof of God's love to us. The proof of God's love for us. So his love for us and to us, thank God, has been made available and we have received it in us. It's amazing grace. God proved his love toward us. Hallelujah. The proof of God's love is an action. The proof of God's love is not that just God said, I love you. Although he does, he loves us with an everlasting love. But the proof of God's love is that he actually sent his son Jesus to die for us. He actually sent his son and Jesus literally did die in our place as our substitute. Hallelujah. All right, let's go to verse 9. So he died for us. He was our substitute. Much more than being now justified by his blood. Much more being justified, how? By his blood. Romans 3, we're made righteous or justified by faith in his blood. So being much more, everybody say much more. That's much more than your sin. Much more than your, your, your uh, wrongdoing. Thank God, God's sent his son Jesus to do much more than what sin had done. Much more than being justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. We shall be saved from God's wrath through him. We don't have to bear the penalty of wrath. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So then we are delivered from the wrath to come because we believed on the Son. So we have now eternal life. We've received eternal life. We have received justification. We have received the righteousness of God, and we are God's children. And we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies... That was all of us. For if when we were enemies, listen to the timing. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. 
so our reconciliation was prior prior to our actually living in this earth, but we were all sinners. And so when we come into this earth, we're going to have to deal with this thing called sin. So Jesus did it for us. When we were enemies, God reconciled us. So he's taking the whole human race at one point in history, and he's dealing with all of man's sin. So he's considering us all enemies of God, all sinners. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. How? By the death of his son. So our reconciliation was through his death. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, reconcile basically means to restore to friendship and favor with God. So I'm going to read it to you in uh, another translation. Barclay's translation says it this way. It was the death of his son which restored us to friendship with God. His death restored us to friendship with God. So we're no longer enemies, even when we were hostile to him. So God did this in advance of your being here, but you were going to be a hostile enemy. So then, he said, even when we were hostile to him, and if that is so, now that we are God's friends, how, can, how much sure can we can be that, he will, that we will be saved by his continuing life? We'll read it again. Now that we are God's friends, how much sure we can be that we will be saved by his continuing life, meaning his life goes on. It's eternal life. And then another translation, Wade's translation says, For if while we were still enemies, peace was made between us and him by means of the death of his son. Peace was made between us and him by the death of his son. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then the Amplified Bible says, we shall be saved or daily delivered from sin's dominion through his resurrection life. Now, we have initially been saved. When we got born again, we have been saved. Everybody say, I have been saved. But we are daily in the process of being saved. Not meaning that you're reborn again. Meaning that you are in the process of being delivered. Your mind's being renewed and your soul is being saved in the sense of, uh, according to James, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls, which is simply renewing your mind, restoring your soul, mind, will, and emotions, right? Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So, So you're in the process of being saved and then we shall be saved. But it's all because of his resurrection. In other words, we will get a resurrected body. 
Right now, you got the one you got. Hallelujah, right? You're working with that one. But you're going to get a new one. How many are glad for that? You're going to get a glorified body. You're going to get a resurrected body. You're going to get a body glorified like Jesus' body. Hallelujah. So one day you're going to have a body that is not mortal. It's not going to die. It's not going to droop, not going to sag. It's not, you know, it's not going to get old. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to wear down in any way. The outward man decays, but the inward man is renewed day by day. All right, so praise the Lord. You're going to get a new body. So you've been saved. You've received eternal life. You're in the process of being saved, and you're going to be saved. Are you following me? But we are daily delivered from sin's dominion through this resurrection life. So you got some life on the inside of you that brings deliverance and freedom for you every day of your life. So there's something on the inside that's greater than what's on the outside. I said there's something on the inside that's greater than what's on the outside. We just need to stir up the life of God on the inside. All right, verse 11, it says, not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Now, the margin of my Bible says we have now received the reconciliation. So the reconciliation has occurred, but now he said we have received it. Now, it occurred when Jesus died and was buried and was raised again. Reconciliation was through the death of his son, right? So then we have received this reconciliation. But what, what, what does he say again in verse 11? And not only so, but we also joy in God. We joy in the Lord. We have the joy of the Lord. Why? Through Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom now we have received this reconciliation. Now, according to uh, Barclay's translation, this reconciliation is restored to friendship with God. Or uh, Way's translation means peace with God. So Jesus was that mediator between God and men. He was a man, Christ Jesus. He has brought us back to God. He has reconciled us or he has restored us to a place of friendship and favor with God. What a wonderful thing. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I have favor. I have friendship. I am a friend of God. God is my father and he is my friend. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. What does he say? We joy in God. Why? Because we've received this reconciliation. We've received this restoration to favor and friendship with God. Now go with me to uh, 2 Timothy. Second Timothy. We're 
we're going to go to chapter 1 and verse 9. Verse 9 says, And who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. I mean, glad it's not according to your works. But it's according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Given us in Christ before the world began, which means that God saw Jesus Christ, as we have shared in some past lessons, God saw Jesus as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So in Jesus, in the mind of God, God has a plan that is so absolutely sure that in the mind of God, this grace is already given through Jesus before the world began. In other words, what God plans to do, God will do. God planned redemption, and God's going to perform it. And God sent Jesus. And it is an absolute sure thing that Jesus did come. Hallelujah. Jesus did die. Jesus was buried, and Jesus was raised again, and Jesus was our substitute, and Jesus was our representative, and Jesus Christ is Lord. But then he says in verse 10, but now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, God had a plan, God had a purpose, and God fulfilled that purpose in the person of Jesus. But is now manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. Abolished death, or Blackwelder says it this way, who has rendered death ineffective in all of its aspects and consequences. Rendered death ineffective in all of its aspects and consequences. So Jesus rendered death ineffective. Jesus rendered it, or we could say it like another translation says it this way, he deactivated death. Rendered it ineffective. Now, Anthony here, you know, dealt with some pretty severe situations, and you know, like a bomb. Uh, you know, he, would, he and the team would have to go out and make sure this bomb doesn't go off or deactivate it if necessary. Is that right? So he worked for the fire department. So, and uh, if you deactivate it, even though it has the power to destroy if it's deactivated, it no longer has the power to destroy. So Jesus deactivated death. What did he do? It says in Hebrews 2.14, Jesus took on a body of flesh and blood by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is how it was done. He took on a body of flesh and blood, and he went through death. And by going through death, he destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So Jesus Christ deactivated death because death was what held sway over humanity. 
Jesus deactivated death and said, now there's a new thing that's going on. Come on, what's the next part of the verse say? And it brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He's brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So the gospel of Jesus Christ brings light and it brings life and it brings immortality. Eventually you get an immortal body. But right now you got eternal life right here while you sit here on this uh, pew in this church on uh, Buffalo Drive. Praise the Lord. You have eternal life. He that believes on the Son hath everlasting life. So it's something you already got, and the gospel gave it to you. Praise God. And when you believed on Jesus, you received eternal life, the life of God. The life of heaven came into your spirit and changed you on the inside, and you were dead, but now you are made alive in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So death has been deactivated. You have been brought back to life or you have been restored to a position of the life of God. Hallelujah. You have been reconciled. You have been restored to a place of favor and friendship with God. You're no longer God's enemy. You are a friend of the Father. God has restored you. Isn't that good news? Thank you, Jesus. I said, thank you, Jesus. You have been restored to a place of favor. You have been restored to a place of friendship. You are a friend of God. God is your very own Father. And he is your friend. Thank you, Jesus. I said, God is your very own father, but he is also your friend. And how did that occur? By the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus got in a body. Jesus lived as a man. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus died for your sin. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. And on the third day, Jesus was raised again. And on the third day, Jesus was made alive. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so he is Lord of your life. You have received the gift of eternal life. You are a child of God, and God is your Father, and God is your friend. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We pray that the Holy Spirit would quicken our spirits. Sir, quicken our spirits. Quicken the word to us. Make it alive to us. Let it be a living word in our spirits, in our minds, and Lord, may it transform our lives. To know you, Jesus, to know you, Father, to know you as Father, to know you as friend. Lord, we want to know you better. We want to know you for who you are to us. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one looking around, if 
you're in the room today and you're not sure of your salvation, you do not know that if you died, you go to heaven, but you want to know Jesus. You want to have a relationship with God. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. If you want to know Jesus today, would you raise your hand? Let me pray with you. If you want to be saved, would you please just simply raise your hand? We'll pray with you. Maybe you've been saved and you've been born again, but you've gotten away from God. And you want to be restored in fellowship with God. You want to know that your sins are forgiven. Would you raise your hand today? Just lift your hand. We'll pray for you and with you. Thirdly, perhaps you've been saved. You've been born again, but you've not received the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, would you raise your hand? We'll pray with you, and you can be filled, empowered with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God can fill you to overflowing. That's you. Raise your hand. Last of all, you're a child of God born again, but you don't have a church home. You're not a member of a local church, but you want to be a member right here at Word of Life Christian Center. If that's you, would you raise your hand, please? You connect. You want to connect with this local church? Raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you can lift your heads. I didn't see any hands. I trust all hearts and minds are clear. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. All right, for those of you that are watching, if you're not sure of your salvation, you're not saved, or you're not in right fellowship with God, we'll pray with you right now. You can, uh, you can be saved. You can accept Jesus, and you can... Have your sins forgiven, and I would encourage you to do so. And let this moment be your moment. This day be your day of salvation. So we're going to all pray right here. You can just pray with us right there online. Just say it with me to say, Dear God, I come to you today. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for my sin, that he shed his blood. He gave his life. He died in my place. He died for me. And I believe that you raised him again and that Jesus Christ is Lord. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. And I believe today I am saved. Now, for those who need to be restored, just pray this prayer. Just say, Heavenly Father, I repent of sin. And I turn to you today. And I believe that you wash me in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me from every sin. I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, either 